And howdy, howdy, glad you're on with us, glad everybody's here, and it's good to be here tonight, it's good to be on you with the day, if you're watching during the day or the evening or whatever, I got my lifer's juice here for the night, Sarah bought me a cup, it says the church on it, and she set it up here, and I'm not going to sit here with an empty cup, that's fake, so rather than be fake with an empty cup, I've put some coffee in it because I couldn't even justify putting water in it. So, <laughs> All right. You know, I don't think I even titled anything tonight. So I might have to come up with the title right here and right now. Praise the Lord. A laugh of victory. That's what we'll call it. A laugh of victory. Go ha ha. Ha, ha, ha. There we are. That's how you start laughing. And it all begins with a little bit of a smile that breaks across your face. And for some people, a smile might break their face, but that's okay. It'll help. <laughs> Religion and tradition will give you a lemon-sucking face, and a smile will break it all off and cause it to go away. I don't know. That's you how I see things. I don't know. I'm having fun right now, everybody. Sorry. I uh, am adamantly opposed to religion and everything that smells like it. So, <laughs> Praise the Lord. Father, thank you for your word tonight. I thank you for everybody that's here or today if you're watching during the day. I thank you, Father, for everybody that's here and everybody that's watching. I thank you, Father, that your word is sharp, sharper than any two-edged sword. So I thank you, Father, it cuts through all their uh, misbeliefs they've had, bad things they've been taught. I thank you, Father, that it, it'll dive right into their spirit and give them victory, and they can laugh in the face of the enemy. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen, amen, amen. Amen, yay. There we go. Got amens all over the place. All right, pardon me. All right, so Psalm chapter 2. Psalm chapter 2. That's where we're going to start. I feel like I have an echo. Uh, King James, and I'm going to have it in the Passion too. As soon as I get it back up. I left my Passion at home today. Well, I didn't leave my Passion at home. My Passion goes me, with me wherever I go. But my Passion translation is at home. Kayla, adjust that number three down just a touch. Because I can hear it echoing. I think it's better. That's good. Yeah, perfect. Thank you. Thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, I'll read it King James, and then I'll do it... Um, out of the passion. So you'll get it both, both tonight. Psalm 2, 
Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. Ha ha. The Lord shall have him have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. You're making God mad. you got problems. Yet have I set my king upon my holy hill of Zion. Verse 7. I will declare the decree the Lord has said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them to pieces like the potter's vessel. Be wise. Now therefore, O ye kings, be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear, and rejoice with trembling. Hallelujah. Kiss the son, lest he be angry and ye perish from the way, when his wrath is kindled but a little. Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. All right. Now I'm going to give it to you out of the passion here. All right. The nations speak. Verse 1. How dare the nations plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Lord, look. Oh, that doesn't say Lord. It just says look. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed king, saying, Let us come together and break away from the Creator. Once and for all, let us cast off these controlling chains of God and his Christ. Verse 4. God enthroned merely laughs at them. Ha ha. And the Sovereign One mocks their madness. Then with the fierceness of his fiery anger, he, he settles the issue and terrifies them to death with these words. I myself have poured out my king on Zion, my holy mountain. I will reveal the eternal purpose of God, for he has declared over me, you are my favored son. And as you, and as your father, I have crowned you as my eternal king. Today I become your father. Ask me, and I will give you the nations, and I will do it. Ask me to give you the nations, and I will do it. And they shall become your legacy. For your, do your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth, and you will shepherd them with unlimited authority, crushing their rebellion as iron rod smashes jars of clay. Listen to me, all you rebel kings, and all you upstart judges of the earth. Learn your lesson while there is still time. Serve and worship the awe-inspiring God. Recognize his greatness and bow before him, trembling with reverence in his presence. Fall face down before him and kiss the sun before his anger is roused against you. Remember that his wrath can be quickly kindled, but many blessings are waiting for those who turn aside to hide themselves in him. That's good. Hallelujah. So, I forgot the title that I called this already. Anybody remember? A Laugh of Victory. There you go. A Laugh of Victory. Good job, Kayla. Good points for you. A 
laugh of victory. That's what we're going to call it. All right. So you can see where I was reading in here. It says about the wicked. Why do the heathen rage and the, and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against his anointed, saying, Let us break their bands from asunder and cast away the cords. Okay. How dare the nations uh, plan a rebellion? Their foolish plots are futile. Look at how the power brokers of the world rise up to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together against Yahweh and his anointed saying. Okay. Here's where I, I'm, I'm going with this. Look at, you can see the plans of the world right here. Look at how the power brokers of the world, okay? Now, you can look at this a few different ways. You can look at it as kings, uh, presidents, different types of rulers. But there's, on top of that, there's always something else that rules, right? And, and chances are, 99.99% of the time, you follow the money. And wherever the money goes, that's where the, the person's actually ruling from. A lot of the people that you see that are in power, not all, but a lot, a lot of people that are in power are like puppets, there's some people that are, are striving to come into power that are puppets. They're like the old puppets that you would have sitting on somebody's knee like a ventriloquist. And, and, uh, and they're, they're trying to get some power in this country, but they're just an old puppet. Oh, Lord. See, I'm talking about laughter, and I'm getting ready to start cracking up because I'm thinking of it. But you... <laughs> You can see how people, in, in what they say, it, it just parrots certain agendas, certain plans, certain purposes. And be, behind it all is wickedness. Behind it all is actually control. I wonder how I can smile about this. But behind it is control. Like Everywhere you see where they're, they're talking about, oh, the, the, the earth's going to die in 12 years and everything. They've been saying it's going to die in 12 years for the last 40 years. It's like 12 years long since been up. It was either getting cold or getting too hot. And, but the, the premise, the idea behind it was control. And then if you look at, into it a little bit deeper, you can find that there's a money aspect behind it too and how money can be made. And a lot of these green new things that they put out, oh, we can't burn fossil fuels because of this. It's kind of hurting. It's like God said when he promised Noah, he said that there would be seed time and harvest day, night, in uh, winter, summer, it, I mean, you get the seasons. That's my paraphrase. And God said that all of that would still be happening until the end, until it was done. Okay? So all this stuff that they have, if you're a believer, especially, and you hear that nonsense, know that it's nonsense and it's not going to come to pass. Know that there's actually a control behind it. Because if they can take and they can say, look, we can't, do this anymore. We can't burn these fossil fuels. We can't do this because it hurts the environment. We'll do this instead. You know, a lot of the green stuff that they propose and put out actually require fossil fuels for them to even be made. How about that? You look into, into it yourself. You look into, um, um, what are they called? The big giant fans. Windmills. Windmills. <laughs> the big giant fans. That's a technical saying. But you, you see the windmills and everything, the, the, the materials and everything, the machinery that goes into it, it requires some type of oil or anything like that. So you can find that the oil is going to be a part of even green things. And um, 
I'm not even going to get into the recycling part of it, but anyhow, that's the, the controlling elements behind it. Because if they can do this, if they can get you off of one thing and they can control how you're going to get your power, how you're going to get your water, where you get your water from, can you pull it from a stream, can you purify it yourself, can you do this, can you do that? If they can control every aspect of everything in your life, then you'll do exactly what they tell you to do. You'll, you'll say, how do you think the Antichrist is going to come to power? Because these first couple verses here that I, I've read, both King James and um, Out of the Passion, you can see that as rulers scheme and confer together, the power brokers of the world rise to hold their summit as the rulers scheme and confer together. The scheming and conferring together, the power brokers of the world, these are, are the people that want to enslave everybody, and all they're trying to do is make it look like they're giving you some type of freedom. Because you read on toward the end of the verse, uh, verse 3, toward the end. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and His Christ. Look at how the world joins together to try and shut the church up. You look in any country where there's like a, a death grip of communist power or whatever you want to call it, where there, there's overruling power over the people. The people don't have any voice. They work for peanuts, probably in some cases literally, and they don't have any free will. The government supplies everything that they need, and the only thing that's rich is the people that are in the government. Okay. So you, you can see how that's happening. It, they control every bit of their lives. And if, if you don't cowtail, I mean, if you don't toe the line, it's probably a better word, and get with exactly what they're saying to do, they'll, they'll cut you off. I mean, you can see it happening in China with some of their electronic things and how they uh, watch over the people and, and who's towing the line and who's not. They can shut off your bank account. See, that's the thing. I, I like the convenience of having a bank card. But if anybody can shut it off at any given time, then how is that any type of freedom? And it's even worse the deeper you get and the more convenient things become because they can just shut it off at a whim. And that, that's, that's the power brokers behind the world. It, it's all, it all comes back to money, and money controls everything. That's why the Bible says that the love of money is the root of all evil. Money's not. Money's a very, very useful tool, a horrible master. Very useful tool, though. But if you let it rule over your life, then you're going to lose out. And that's how they'll be able to control people. They'll be able to control people through fear. If they can get people afraid enough, they, you know what, you stay in your house if you want to be safe. Hmm, what's that sound like? Put a mask on if you want to be safe. Do this to be safe. Do that to be safe. People will willingly lay down and give up freedom just to be safe. And then you know who they'll blame? They'll blame it on all, all the Christians. Because in those same worlds that I was talking about, not worlds, but those same countries that I was talking about, where, the, where there's a death grip of control, anything that's Christian, they don't want. They either try and snuff it out altogether by killing the people or throwing them in prison, throwing them in jail, kind of like Jesus said would happen. But they try and choke out what the gospel is, the, the gospel of truth. Because it's the only thing on this planet that actually provides people freedom. It's the only thing that can actually provide joy. The Bible, what's Jesus say? The Bible says who the Son sets free is what? Free indeed. Absolutely free indeed. And where there's freedom, what? There's going to be joy. There's going to be laughter. There's going to be happiness. 
So you can see, and if there's that all the joy and happiness, then what's not there? Fear is not there. Because people aren't afraid. So you can see, if you want to actually control people really well, you can do it by fear. And I, I, I seen a, a movie back when I was a kid where a, a guy, he asked a man, he, he said, what would you rather be? Would you rather be loved or feared? And he told him, he said, I'd rather be feared because fear lasts longer than love. Now, the reality behind it is true love, the, the Christ kind of love is triumphs over everything. It, can, it lasts, honestly, for all eternity. That's the truth of the matter. But fear is very temporal. Fear gives you power and control in the moment. Fear, you can control a nation by getting them afraid, getting them on the lies. But where there's joy, where there's laughter, where there's happiness, where there's love, there's victory. There's unity in people when there's no fear, when there's joy, when there's happiness. You can see that in the body of Christ. People that are loving the Lord and following the Lord and His plan and purpose. I'm not talking dead religion and tradition. Dead religion and tradition is stone-cold, miserable, angry people, and they are the ones that are the most detrimental to Christians, society. If you're a Christian and you get set on fire and you're following after the plan and purpose of God, I guarantee there's some religious cow that's going to come along and try and steal that joy from you. And steal that away from you and tell you how you're not ready or do something like that. I don't know, that must have been for somebody that was right out of the blue. But see, where there's that fear is, is that control. Where there's that fear is people who will turn in other people. Because they're afraid. Did you see that person do that? I can't believe it. Don't they know that this and that and the other thing is happening? And they'll go and they'll turn them in. You know how I know that? Because as a police officer doing policey things, I fielded phone calls of people telling on other people at the beginning of the Rona. They would, we'd get the call, hey, do you know that these people are doing this in this restaurant, in this store? They're doing that. They're not enforcing the mat, whatever it may be. I, I had, I don't know how many, I had enough. Enough that I find it very irritating. So much so that I, I just came short of yelling at the people on the phone when I was educating them as to what laws are and what the truth is. And the truth brought them freedom. How about that? See, truth actually is what brings freedom. What Jesus say? I am the what? The way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father except by me. See, Jesus is actual truth. See, when Jesus comes and truth shines... When the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ shines in people's hearts, there's nothing that can steal from the many. See, now they're outside of fear because the Bible says that I have not given you a spirit of fear, but power, love, and of a sound mind. See, that's what happens when Jesus shows up on the scene. Fear is driven out. Wickedness is driven out. Corruption is driven out. That's what happens. You can see it in this nation because as this nation, as we've been a people who have prayed, Pray to God. Ask God for a light to shine. Ask God for one last reprieve. Ask God for it to go after the harvest. 
As people have prayed that way, you've seen the truth come on, and then you've seen the light of the truth get shown all over this nation. You've seen wicked people shown for what they are. More and more and more. And the more they try and hide it, the more it goes out. Why? Because everything done in darkness will come to light. That's what the Bible says. So every wicked thing that's even been plotted against your life, every wicked thing that's been plotted against your life, every wicked thing that somebody said against you, every word curse that someone's spoken over your life, that'll come to light. And when it comes to light, you know that there's freedom in it and you can be set free yourself. Knowing that everything that they said against you, all the failures that they proclaimed over your life, when you walk in the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that you'll walk in victory and you'll laugh in the face of the enemy. Ha ha. Ha ha ha. Every bit of failure is not for you. Only victory for you. Only laughter in the face of the enemy. Look, let's continue on. I'm going to, I'll set this down. I'll I'll take it out of the passion. It's a little bit easier for me to maneuver around because I left my other Bible at home. Okay, so let us come together and break away from the Creator. So they, they rule, they plot, they scheme. And part of the ruling and plotting and scheming is to crush the church and stomp it out. I've probably went over that pretty good with how communism and everything's set up in those nations. And you can look and even see how they're trying to shut the church up. You can't meet. The Rona will get you. Please. You can go shopping and do anything you want in any other store. The Rona's not there, but somehow it shows up in a church. you got to be kidding me. How stupid could you be and still breathe? I mean, come on now. Especially when the Bible says that no sickness or disease shall come near my dwelling. Well, how about that? And wherever I go, that's where I'm dwelling at the moment. And when I get united with other believers, well, there's a whole lot of dwellings coming together with people. So guess what that tells me? That sickness and disease is not going to come into the church. A lot of people, they have a hard time believing that, though. Oh, so-and-so got sick. I don't care. Is that what the Bible says? No, it's not what the Bible says. Well, guess what? That's the lie. And if you believe it, you're believing the lie. Yeah, but... Yeah, but, get up off your butt and go do something. I don't want to hear yeah, buts when it comes to what the Bible says. When the Bible says something, if my life, something in my life ain't lining up with what the Bible says, then I'm the one that's wrong, not the Bible. Circumstances do not dictate the life of the believer. Though 10,000 may fall at thy right hand, it will not harm you. That's what the Bible says. It's just up to you on whether or not you actually want to believe it. And a lot of the scriptures that I just spit out at you came from the Old Testament under a lesser covenant. And with Jesus, we have a better covenant. This is the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that we live under a better covenant now and in this day than they had back then. They look forward longing to what we have. But why do we live like we don't have anything? Why do Christians live and say and speak out things that aren't Bible, but they speak it out and create a doctrine around it? Well, you just have to use wisdom. Yeah, wisdom would be not running around in the cold with uh, like half naked and shorts and uh, your top off, screaming and hollering and everything like that. That's probably wisdom to not do that. 
to like not go up if somebody sneezes and just breathe in everything they sneezed at. That's using actual wisdom. You're stupid if you do it otherwise. But not to, to, to say, don't go to church. Churches should shut their doors and close down. I'm telling you right now, if you're watching and your church has got their doors closed, it needs to change its name to something else, to cowards or us or something. I don't know. Open your doors. If, you, if it makes you mad and offends you and you don't like me and you turn me off, I'm okay with that because eventually I'm going to say something that's going to make you mad anyway. Open your doors, churches. Open your doors. Let your people in. Join together. Unite in prayer and bring destruction to the camp of the enemy. The Bible says that Jesus actually said that the gates of hell will not prevail against his church. If the gates of hell can't prevail against the church and sickness, death, and disease are all part of a hellish thing brought on by sin, then guess what? It's not going to touch you. Even if it tries to lay a disgusting little finger on you, take authority over it immediately. Don't sit there and go, well, I, I guess it's just how it is. It got me. No, it doesn't have to. Take authority over it. Speak life over it. You know, you can, you're, you can actually speak to your body and you can and tell it to heal. You can speak to the very cells in your body. And this, I'm giving you science now. This is outside of Bible. It's actually in the Bible too. But because death and life is in the power of the tongue. Okay? So, amen. We spoke to that and it went away. Why it got nailed by, uh, we think, possibly by a jellyfish uh, the other day at the beach on the, on the way back home. And uh, we didn't take them nowhere, didn't do nothing, just laid hands, prayed on it, and it was gone. All the pain left, and uh, he just got a couple little doodads on there now. So, and uh, I got hit by it apparently too, and I didn't feel nothing. But anyhow, that's the Lord. Praise God. Uh, why did I love you? You made me lose my train of thought. <laughs> anyway. Oh, speaking, life. So you speak life, okay? They found out that what you speak out of your mouth will actually cause things to happen on, on a cellular level in your body. So if you speak out that, I know, I'm just going to catch that, your cells are going to come into alignment with what you say. You, the, the white blood cells will probably get a little bit weaker. They won't be attacking like they're supposed to, and you'll get whatever you say you're going to get. I know that sounds crazy and everything, but if we're going to believe the science, believe science, then, well, I just gave you some science. If you don't believe me, go look it up for yourself. Do your own homework. I can't hold your hand your whole life and, and make you do it, okay? So there you are. But when you speak life over yourself, you speak, I have a body that can't get sick. You know what? I don't even get sick. You start saying stuff like that over you, I guarantee that you will be substantially 100% less likely to get sick. E even if I feel a sniffle, come on, I've rebuked that thing to the max. No, I'm not getting sick. White blood cells, I command you in the name of Jesus, to attack everything that comes into my body that ain't supposed to be there. And guess what happens? I don't get sick. Gee whiz, who would have thought? And if I, even if it looks like I might, that thing barely has a day to stick around because I refuse to let it have my body. I refuse to let it have anything in my family. 
Here, I'll give you another one. We're talking about speaking to things and having victory. Man, I better hurry up. We're going to be here for a while. See, I, I get excited about this because I want, I want you all to have victory in your life. I want you to be able, when problems come up, circumstances rise up to go, ha, 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 ha. Because it's the lie from the pit of hell. My dad, he's, uh, he's prepping his house and getting ready to sell it. I'm actually going to believe God that he, he sells it uh, very quickly. The Lord's doing something. I, I feel that to the max, that there's a lot of stuff uh, stirring up. And I'll, I'll speak that over my life and, and your life too. You can lay hold of this too. Jesus is coming soon. So things, there's a whole lot of shaking going on in the kingdom. So, but he's uh, doing a lot of work around the house and he, uh, and he was, he's not only doing work around his house, but helping other people move. And, uh, and this is my dad who broke his back back in the late 70s and uh, had a couple back surgeries for slip disc. This man does things that, that it's just the Lord is on him. That's, that's all there is to it. Anyways, he, he went to throw keys to somebody. He was helping him move, and it, it messed his shoulder up. Now, I can relate. I've had those weird little things where you just, you're like, hey, how are you? Oh, my back. You know, I, I understand. It doesn't stick around, though. I did it the other day with two bags of pretzels, running excited that I had pretzels. And, uh, like, my back tweaked. I was like, ooh, ooh, ooh. I was like, oh, but the pretzels are still so good. <laughs> But my dad, he messed it up throwing keys. So I, I get it. Those things, they, they happen. But he couldn't lift his arm like any higher than this without there being an intense amount of pain. And this is a man with a very high threshold for pain. And um, so I, we were with him last night. We uh, were talking with him. And I felt the, 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 the gift of faith for healing. And I was like, all right. I said, like, praise the Lord. I felt it. Let him talk a little more. And I said, hey, I said, I, I feel the Holy Ghost on this. I said, let's pray. So what, what I did, I went and I, I put my hands on the shoulder because the Bible says we lay hands on the sick and they cover, recover, right? So I'm taking that as everything that has to do with the body. So I put up my hands on his shoulders and I, and I prayed. And I thank God. See, you start your prayer out with thanking the Lord. Lord, I thank you that you're our healer. That's how, how I prayed it out. But after I was done praying, then I went into commanding because words have power, right? Now, you can do this over your own body. You can do it over other people's bodies. You can do it at whatever because your words actually carry power. See, this is what the church of Jesus Christ is supposed to look like. People who speak out life, they speak out in power. They speak out in authority. They use the name of Jesus for the kingdom authority that it was meant to be used as because that's what he paid the price for. So I spoke to the shoulder. I said, every ligament in the name of Jesus, I command you to come back into alignment. Every bit of tissue that's been damaged, I tell you now to rejoin it and replace. Every, and I, I went through and named everything I could possibly think of in the muscles, in the tendons, in the ligaments, whatever it may be, whatever the problem could have been, I spoke to it. And then after I was done praising, I said again, I was like, Lord, thank you. And then I went like this. I said, high five to my dad. Because... You activate faith, right? When you do something the Lord tells you to do, activate the faith. So I activated my dad's faith. I said, high five. He stuck his hand up and gave me a high five. And then he did the wow. He said, oh, wow. And then he starts doing one of these and lifting his shoulder up and everything and moving all around. What he couldn't do this before, now he was doing this. And giving God the glory, praising God. 
Who did it? It was Jesus that did it. Why? Because we use the mouth that he gave us to use, use the breath that we have in our lungs, use the sound that our vocal cords make to speak life. That's what you do. I don't care what circumstance comes against your life. You speak life into it and you laugh at it. Everything that the devil stole from you, you take it back in Jesus' name and make him pay for it. Use your words. Speak out in authority. Pray violent prayers. It's okay to do. Hallelujah. But look at this. I guess that was for somebody too. <laughs> so let us come away. Break away, verse 3. Break away from the Creator. Once and for all, let's cast off these controlling chains of God and His Christ. They've been doing that for years and years and years. Everything they could to separate from God. That's what the plan is for this nation. To try and shut God up. Can't go to church. Can't do this. You can't sing. You can't praise. You can't do this. You shouldn't do that. It's for other people. If you care about people, you won't do... Wah, 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 wah. It's an attack against the church. If you think I'm lying, you're, you're a moron. And I'll tell you straight to your face. But what Jesus said, the gates of hell won't prevail against the church. So every government, every authority that tries to use itself, use its power to crush the church, it will not prevail. They, they're actually doomed for failure. See, this is why you laugh, because that's what it says. God enthroned merely laughs at them, and the sovereign one mocks their madness. Because they think that they're actually accomplishing something by being able to control the church. We're the government. We, you do what we say. We, you do it how we tell you to do it. If you don't, we're going to do this. We're going to fine you. They'll threaten you with everything they possibly can. But what did they pray in Acts? They said, Lord, you hear their threatenings. Give us more boldness. When you hear the threatenings coming from the enemy, I don't care what type of enemy it is, whether it's big government, little government, or your, your Joe Schmo neighbor who threatens you because your grass grows on his side. I don't care what it is. Hear their threatenings and then have boldness and declare what the word of the Lord says. In this day and hour, we're declaring against wickedness. Everything done in wicked and high places, that it be shown for the truth of what it is. Because here's the reality. People, when they realize and see the truth of what wickedness is, it's going to cause the stirring in them to come back to God. When people see how wicked somebody can actually be, it'll actually push them toward the Lord. And you know who's going to be there? We are. The church is going to be there to receive those people. The church is going to be there to encourage the people. The church is going to be there to build them up. The church will be there to lay hands. The church will be there to speak against devils. The church will be there to set people free, to take them out of the bondage. That's what will be there, the church of Jesus Christ. We are the church. So God enthroned, verse 4, merely laughs at them. The sovereign one mocks their madness. You look at what's going on in the world and you're like, these people are crazy. You know why? Because the Bible says that they've been given over to a depraved mind. You find that in Romans 1. People that go after wicked things, they're given over to that wicked mindset. 
And it, it comes off as just madness. You look at some people, you're like, that person is a lunatic. Yeah, they're mad. Okay? So God, the sovereign one, mocks their madness. How does it put it in here? Shall laugh, the Lord shall have them in derision. Okay? And verse 5, Then with the fierceness of his fire angry, anger, he settles the issues and terrifies them to death with these words. I myself had poured out, I have poured out my king on Zion, my holy mountain. That's God saying, I sent Jesus. See, God is, is not one. You see, a lot of people think God, he's like, oh, he's just a little fluffy cloud guy, just floating around, just doing nice things and everything like that. God is a righteous judge. God lays a smackdown on people who come against his chosen people, his children. See, but the problem has been that his children don't actually believe that their dad will do that. They believe, oh, he's just loving. He'll, he'll just love everybody. He loves everybody. It's okay, no matter what you do, he just loves you. You know what? He does love everybody. He hates the wicked things that they do. And when they choose to have wickedness and come against his people, they've made themselves an enemy of God. You see, the, the Bible repeatedly says about how long are the wicked going to prosper? How long are they going to do that? They're going to keep doing it until the righteous stand up and say no more. That's how long. Is there going to be a fight? Are you going to have to have some blood, sweat, and tears and time spent in prayer on your face? Yeah. Is there a cost that gets paid? Absolutely. The full measure, the full cost would be your very life. But you ain't got nothing to lose because you get glory. Move into heaven. See, but many people in comfort are not willing to press in. They're not willing to come after God. They're not willing to build their faith to even believe God. The Bible says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's all your Bible. Your faith comes by how much time you spend in that Bible. It gets built up. It gets to the point to where when people say certain things that don't line up with Scripture, it'll grate your spirit like cross grain. Ah, No, that's not right. The Bible says this. And you serve a God who is a righteous judge one who looks out for his children, who will not let wickedness prosper against his people who are called by his name. See, that's what will give you the boldness to stand up, the boldness to stand and know that your God fights on your behalf, that wicked people won't be able to come against you, that the very government itself, though it may try and throw you in jail, though it may try and take your life, though it may do things against you, that ultimately it will not prevail against the church. Wickedness can't prevail. One of the ways that you can see that wickedness can't prevail, you remember how I said about the madness and how God mocks madness? People that are mad and, and crazy and a, like a lunatic can't get a proper thought process together. And that's how. They'll end up turning on themselves before anything. And you can see that happening in the camp of the enemy, that they're, they're turning on themselves left and right. Yeah, I'll just stop at that. 
you can figure it out. Watch, watch certain aspects of the news and you can see the wicked turning against each other. And then he moves on. Okay, so God laughs. If God's laughing at the wicked and all the plans and purposes that the wicked has, you can laugh at the wicked too. That's why it's okay when joy comes. The Bible says that though weeping may endure for the night, joy comes in the morning. The Bible says that in God's presence is fullness of joy. So if you want some joy, you want some happiness, get in the presence of the Lord. Find in your word where it talks about having joy. And then you can actually access and have some joy. You can get your faith built up for joy. Speak on this for a minute. People need to have joy. They need to have laughter. Because there's a lot of wickedness and rotten things that go on in the world. And you need to be able to access joy and happiness and laughter. Because in God's presence, fullness of joy, right? Where there's joy, where there's happiness, where there's laughter, like I said before, there's no fear. Perfect love drives out all fear. Perfect love can only be found in the presence of the Lord. See, it's time spent with Him that will cause you to have that joy. That when, when all, it seems like all of hell is against you, everything is possibly going wrong for your life. Enemies are just popping up left and right. Laugh. Get in God's presence. Find where it says about joy. Get your faith built up that I can have joy in the presence of the Lord. And what will happen is joy will come to you. That circumstances will, will show up and you'll see them for the lie that they are and you'll laugh in the devil's face. When you see the circumstance, you'll go, that's a lie. That's a lie from the pit of hell. <laughs> I've been spending time in the presence of the Lord. Devil, you're not going to have this. Father, I thank you. You give me victory. And you'll laugh because a person that laughs is a person that's in victory. When I see people catch the joy in church, I know that all of hell may have come up against them, but they're laughing right now. Because they're in the presence of the Lord. That's why laughing in church is not a bad thing. It's not of the devil. It's none of that nonsense. The Bible talks a lot about joy. And it's okay to laugh. Jesus probably laughed at a lot. I'm sure at the expense of religious people. I mean, I know uh, Elijah laughed. Because he made fun of the prophets of Baal. I get a kick out of that passage every time I read it. Call out to him. Maybe he's in the bathroom. Maybe he's away. Maybe he's sleeping. Yell louder. You know that Elijah was laughing. And God probably was too. All right. So now, verse 6, he said, I poured out my king on Zion, my holy mountain. That's talking about Jesus. Jesus has been here and he's coming back. A lot of these things that I said that will come into complete and total fullness at the millennial reign of Christ. So you might as well be on the right side of the fence now. And while you're at it, you might as well take some victory now too. Verse 7, I will reveal the eternal purpose of God, for He has decreed over me, You are my favored Son, capital S. And as your Father, I have crowned you as my King eternal. Today I become your Father. Ask me to give you the nations, and I will do it, and they shall become your legacy. Your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth. Okay, I'm going to pause right there for a minute. I'm going to give it to you out of the King James. 
verse, verse 8. Promise. This is a promise. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. You can ask for people. What's the currency of heaven? People. That's the answer. I gave it to you. You didn't even have to think about it. Pass that test. People are the currency of heaven. You can ask for the heathen for your inheritance. You can ask for people to be saved. You can ask for the boldness to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ, right? In boldness. You can ask the Lord to go and lay hands on the sick. Where are you going to find sick people at? Where are you going to find people that are bound by devils? Where are you going to find the dead? You're going to find them in the world. You're going to find them amongst the heathen. You can ask, Lord, I want people. And he's talking about Jesus. Jesus wants people. Ask for them. You can actually ask for that. You as a believer in the Lord Jesus Christ can ask for a nation. What nation is birthed on the inside of you? For me, it's this nation. And if the Lord sends me other places, then it's going to be wherever I go. He'll put it in my spirit to ask for that nation. I ask for this nation. I ask for this area I'm in. Things that are taking up my time now are not going to take up my time in the very near future because I'm going to have the time to pour in to ask for the nation, to ask for the area where I'm at. I can ask for that. I can have those people for my inheritance. And look, it goes even further. In the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession, and then here in the, in the uh, Passion, They shall become your legacy. Your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth. That's what he promised. These are the things that we can ask God for. And it's people. And what's this come back to? It comes back to you're putting the kingdom first. Pardon me. Because kingdoms are about people. You put the kingdom first. You make your will, your purpose, your desires of your heart about people. Whatever desires are in your heart, God put them there. And if He put them there, if God put those desires and purposes in your heart there, I'm telling you now that there's people attached to it. There's people, there's lives that you'll impact. Because that's what God put it there for. God didn't put us on this earth to have us get saved and be pew warmers. The church of Jesus Christ is a, is a, a, a church that joins together We testify of the goodness of God. We build people up. The church is meant to build people up and send people out to go get more people. Constantly moving people out, moving people out. It's not meant to come and sit and warm a pew and maybe feel a little tingle from the Lord from time to time. That's not what it is. People cry out and pray for revival. Revival is not just a warm, fuzzy feeling where the Lord might show up in your service because you're giving glory and honor to Him. That should just happen naturally anyway. That's not revival. Revival is going to bring about salvation. Revival will set people free. Revival will bring healing. Revival will set bondages off of people that will be broken. Revival is going to look nasty and ugly sometimes. Why? Because hell is going to try and come against revival. You can't say that you're in revival if you're not seeing some of the things that I mentioned. You're having a warm, fuzzy service, and that's it.
You can have revival, even in little nuggets. In a, in a service, you can have like a mini revival if people are getting saved, healed, delivered, and set free. When you lay hands on somebody and they fall out under the power of God, something's happening in their life at that moment. Things are getting taken care of. When the Spirit of God shows up, things happen. Not so you can get a warm fuzzy and then go right back to warming your pew again. See, a lot of times people will get a healing in a service or something, and then they'll end up losing their healing and wonder why. One is probably because you haven't spent time in your Word to even understand what healing was, and God just had the mercy on you to give it to you at that moment. And then it was up to you to maintain and know that it was yours to keep. And the other thing is that a lot of times people will get a touch from the Lord and they just don't do anything with it. And they feel like, oh, i got to get to church to get that fresh touch. No, you can have that touch all the time. You can actually live like that. That's the reality of being a Christian. Coming together for Sunday service and everything, that's the time to testify of the goodness of everything that God's done throughout the week. And tell of how amazing he is and the glory that he is. And share it with other believers so that they can be encouraged to knowing that God's no respecter of persons. And if he did it for you, he'll do it for them. That's why I love hearing testimonies. That's why I love testifying. Because I know that it encourages other people to cause them to believe God for the exact same thing. Because God put that heart's desire there. And the enemy is the one who comes and tries to steal it. And that's why you go, ha, 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 not today. You're not stealing from me. Ask me to give you the nations and I will do it. They shall become your legacy. Your domain will stretch to the ends of the earth and you will shepherd them with unlimited authority, crushing their rebellion as, iron, as an iron rod smashes jars of clay. So you can see right there and know that God doesn't play. When Jesus comes back for his millennial reign, the people that aren't lined up, they're going to get lined up. Because you see, after the millennial reign, what happens? The devil comes back to, to give like one last shot, one last shot to see what people's free will is. And then they finally get completely and totally destroyed, smashed away. Why? Because God's not going to settle for rebellion. You see now he dealt with the devil with rebellion. It hasn't changed. The Bible says, I'm the Lord thy God, I change not. So if he crushed rebellion back then, he's going to crush rebellion again. Everything that sets itself against the kingdom of God is rebellion. Amen? And then he goes on. Listen to me, you rebel kings and upstart judges. Learn your lessons while there's still time. Learn your lessons while there's still time. Serve and worship. See... What does it say in Peter? He said that God's doing what? He, he's patient because he's given us more time. He's given more time to reach the lost at any cost. Well, praise the Lord. All right then. If you're watching, again, and you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and personal Savior, 
or you did it one time and you've fallen away from them, or you did a long time ago and you're just not real sure if you're even saved anymore. Now's the time. Today is the day of salvation. You're going to pray with me. You're going to pray from your heart and your mouth out loud. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, forgive me of my sin. Wash me and cleanse me. Set me free. Jesus, I believe you died for me. I believe that you rose again for me. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Give me a passion for the lost and a hunger for the things of God and a holy boldness to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm saved, I'm born again, and on my way to heaven because I've got Jesus in my heart. Amen. And just like that in that moment, the Bible says that your sins are as far as the east is from the west. If you said that prayer, I want you to get a hold of us. I want you to reach out to us. And if, and if you got testimony of, of what we prayed out before, I don't know if the phone cut off before when I, I was praying about the baby and everything and, and calling life into wombs or into a womb or wombs, whatever it may be. I want you to reach out to us. I, I would love to hear that testimony because I just felt that in my spirit and was praying life into, uh, into wombs. The babies that uh, could have been moving on weren't and life came back into them. Or if you had a wicked report from the doctor saying that you're not, your baby's not going to make it, that that thing's been reversed in Jesus' name. And we prayed for cancers too, and we cursed cancers. So if there's been cancers, know that Jesus just took care of it and healed it in that moment and actually thank him for it that you've received it in Jesus' name. So, all right, well, everybody here and everybody watching, I love you. God bless you until we get back together again. Mwah. See you later. Thank you.